Being a Better Man, Episode 008, The Walnut Tree. You have just entered a world governed by personal accountability where being a man is not an excuse for bad behavior, where complaints are not allowed, whining is forbidden, and excuses do not exist. Join us as we focus on the actual character of men rather than merely the trappings of manhood. Whoa, hold it. We're not doing that today. Today is story time. That's right, folks. Instead of the regularly scheduled podcast, I've decided to squeak in something extra in between. Story time with Alf. Let me explain. You see, deep down at the core of my soul, I am a storyteller. I come by it quite naturally. For thousands of years, telling stories was the way my ancestors conveyed important information from one generation to another. In my life, I've amassed a large collection of stories. Some of them are funny, some are sad, some are touching, and some are very serious. But they are all 100% true to the best of my recollection. These stories are also relevant to the mission here at Being a Better Man. Because in every story, even though these are my stories, there is some lesson, example, or other nugget that you might be able to apply to your life, or it might remind you of your own similar story. Either way, you should be entertained. So at the end of each story, I will talk briefly about what the lesson learned was, the moral of the story, in other words. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the story. The year was 1968, and I was six years old. Before we moved to the 10-acre farm where I did most of my growing up, we lived on a little three-acre place in the town of Kelso, Washington. In those days, I spent my summers kind of like a feral child, seldom wearing shoes, spending every possible moment outside just imagining, having adventures, playing with the neighbor kids, and exploring the world around me. Occasionally... I would have to become civilized once again when my parents would take us somewhere. There was a whole routine involved, which included a bath, more of a scrubbing, really, putting on the so-called good clothes, including shoes, and mom combing my hair if my buzz cut had grown out enough to comb. I hated it so much. It wasn't just the fact that my entire day of adventure and exploration was completely blown. It was those clothes. Once you put the good clothes on, it was like you were in a prison. You couldn't go outside. You couldn't play. They wouldn't even let me eat for fear that the good clothes might get dirty. So I hated my good clothes with a deep, abiding passion. Not to mention the fact that they felt like cardboard and the tie made it hard to breathe. On one such day, it was announced that we had somewhere to go, probably a funeral or a wedding or something, I don't remember. First thing in the morning, my mom got all of us kids ready to go. Then she had to get herself ready. Dad was already together. The problem with getting us dressed first was that it was impossible for my mom to get ready to go anywhere in less than three hours. I never figured out why. It just took forever. There would be this steady cloud of hairspray rolling out from under the bathroom door, occasional grunting and other indistinguishable noises. 
my dad pacing back and forth in the hallway, stopping at the door every now and then to ask how much longer, to which my mother would always reply, almost ready, in increasingly agitated tones. So while the drama of my mother getting ready played out, us kids were in lockdown. It was dad's job to make sure we were as motionless as possible during this critical phase while my mom was out of the picture. This, for me, was pure hell. When I was six years old, boredom would set in after about five minutes. From there, it just got worse and worse, and Dad knew he had to watch me like a hawk. I simply was not designed to sit there for three hours in cardboard clothes with nothing to do. I was losing my mind. On this particular day, something distracted Dad for a minute. Seeing my chance, I wandered out into the front porch to get some air. It was a beautiful, sunny summer morning, a morning that beckoned to every molecule of my being. The next thing I knew, I was down in the yard just standing there. No harm in that, just standing there on the grass. Suddenly, somehow, without really meaning to, I found myself deeper in the yard, standing at the base of our big old walnut tree. I loved this tree. I spent hours in its branches every day pretending it was a spaceship or a Viking ship or I was being a monkey or Tarzan or any number of other fun things I could transform into up in that tree. I looked around. My absence had not yet been detected. I looked up into the tree. It was calling to me. In that moment, I rationalized that a short climb wouldn't hurt anything. I would just climb up to the first crook in the branches and then come back down. But that's not how it happened. I suddenly found myself resting peacefully in the tree's uppermost branches, in a state of Zen meditation, just enjoying the birds and the breeze and the sun. Then my dad's voice yelling ripped me out of my meditative state and said, Alf, we're ready to go. Come on. I knew I had to get down as soon as possible, so I started scrambling. If I was caught up in this tree in my good clothes, it would mean certain death. Halfway down, the search party, which consisted of my mother and father, came out of the front door, so I stopped. I could not get caught exiting the tree. Panicked now, I climbed back up the tree to a more concealed perch and waited for a better opportunity. The next three hours were very surreal. It was like watching a movie, except everyone in the movie are people you know. I had a perfect view of the house and the yard, and for three hours I watched my parents frantically searching for me, and a couple neighbors, too. I watched them go through every possible emotion again and again. Really, it was sort of like watching your own funeral. I had kind of detached myself from the reality that they were looking for me. I was prepared to stay up in that tree until I grew up, if I had to. I couldn't even imagine what fate would befall me if I came down now, so that simply was not an option. By now, my mom was just crying, wailing, really. She was a mess. My dad was wandering back and forth on the property. A combined look of fear, confusion, and helplessness was on his face. He would stop every now and then, raise cupped hands to his mouth, and bellow my name toward every different direction. Eventually, his search 
led him to be standing directly beneath my position. I was prone in the branches, looking straight down at the top of my dad's head. I became a breathless statue. He bellowed once more, and then as I watched, he stiffened and jerked. His arms went down to his sides, and his head slowly began to rotate upwards, upwards, like he was studying every inch of the tree's trunk as it went up. His head continued to rotate until his eyes came to rest directly on mine. I was still frozen. No doubt an old instinct from being hunted by prehistoric predators. Like if I didn't move or blink or breathe, he wouldn't be able to see me. So I just stared back with unblinking eyes. Dad started to tremble. Veins began to bulge out on his forehead and neck that I'd never seen before. His lip twitched and one eye began to blink independently of the other one. He pointed to the ground in front of him and he said, Get down. But to me it sounded more like, Get down. The gig was up. So I switched gears. Now the only course of action left was for me to act as though everything was completely normal. If I acted like I had done nothing wrong and wasn't in huge trouble, then maybe he would forget that I was. Although that was a gallant effort, it did not work. As soon as my feet touched the ground, I was levitated by my neck through the air and brought into the house. At least my mom was happy to see me until she calmed down and then got angry also. That day, I was in the most trouble I had been in up to that point in my life. So it was a pretty big deal, but I survived it. That's the end of the story, but what is the big lesson? What is the moral of this story? Some lessons have to be learned over and over again many times until they sink in. I think this was one of those lessons that contributed to me finally learning that no matter what, it's always better to own the things you do immediately. We all make mistakes from time to time, but the faster we are able to own up to our mistakes, the sooner we can move forward. Nothing good ever comes from trying to cover up or hide what we have done. It's best to own the things we do, both good and bad, immediately. And doing so will help us be better men today than we were yesterday. That's what I got out of it. I'll be happy to hear what your insights are as well. Part of the reason for telling these stories is so that you can reflect on your own life to a time when you may have learned this lesson. Remembering a lesson learned helps to cement it even firmer in our minds. Well, that's it for story time this week. Thanks for listening, and if you have not gone to iTunes and rated and reviewed the podcast, I would be very grateful if you did. Also, don't forget to go to the website at www.beingabettermanpodcast.com. You can leave a comment, write me a note, join the email list, and help start building the community of men dedicated to being better men today than we were yesterday. Until next time, this is Alf Herikstad signing out.